Okay, let's head over to text messages, have a quick squeeze at what has come through here. Uh, let me see. Scrolling back, scrolling back. All right, here we go. Nope, scrolling back further. We're told that in the last days, hyperinflation will rampage the financial world, simply meaning all currencies will be worth next to nothing. Enjoy it while you can, but you can't take it with you. Very good advice right there. Mm. And we were talking about uh, El Salvador taking on Bitcoin as a national <laughs> currency a bit earlier. It's like, wow, you know. Elon Musk says the wrong thing and your currency goes down the <laughs> Yeah, you lose half a year's salary. <laughs> like, that could be a tough. bad thing. But the reality is, the Bible does say this, that that will be everybody's experience before this world mm. is over. Mm. And uh, the thing that, that I find fascinating is Christians are the ones who know this and Christians are the ones who are unconcerned about it. Yeah, you know, a lot of people would. A lot of people, if they knew they were going to lose, you know, all their money, you know, just sort of overnight, um, they'd spend it on lots of things, like I do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, 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 they would invest. <laughs> so this is what Lawson's doing. He's avoiding yeah. the the coming financial crisis by buying motorbikes. That's right, motorbikes, and guitars. That's that's how we that's how we roll. <laughs> All right. Uh, next text message here. The Chinese also suffered greatly under the Japanese. That's an understatement. Oof. Bit of a strange request for a government that spends their time persecuting Christians and hate Jesus by persecuting his true followers. Why would you ask Christians to pray to a God you hate? Yeah. Ah, that's this is China a nation. China just hates everything. This is a nation where the leaders have become totally blind because they love darkness more than light. God loves them. But the great majority sadly won't repent. And it's an interesting one. I think what is taking place here is that they don't believe in God. They do hate God, but they do want people to turn up once a week to get a dose of propaganda. Yeah. If they yeah, if they can use God for propaganda, the the, the unfortunate thing is is then it's like you, there's a potential to ex- like for the government is that you expose people to some portion of Christianity, which then they can get be inspired to go to underground churches, and then you lose control. Which is hopefully the things that happens because people need Jesus. Yes, mm. should not Christians be thankful that God saves them? Wouldn't that mean that God saves them for a reason, for His glory? Should they not be praising Him? Mm. Of course. That is, you know, after the grieving process. Yeah, we get that. And that comes from the uh, interview of the day. Mm. Uh, let me just see here. Uh, Freco says, iron is used to strengthen clay. It's called reinforcement. Yeah. You put the bars through. But they don't mix, right? You don't, like, get molten iron and... Ceramic iron doesn't stick to clay. Yeah. Okay. But is there a version of clay where you mix it with, like, literal metal? It's an interesting. Well, it depends how you define clay, I guess. But it's an interesting thought. Maybe somebody can help us out there because I mean, we understand concrete. We understand the idea yeah. of reinforcing concrete and you know mortar and all those kinds of lime-based uh, materials. But what about actual clay? Yeah, that's right. Ceramic clay. Do we reinforce ceramic clay in any way with iron? I mean, ceramic clay has such an enormous amount of shrinkage when it hardens. Would yeah, it that's just right. Peel off the iron. Hmm. Anyway, uh, that was Freco. Oh, Freco says again here, China, no, they can't beat the Christian movement. Now they want mm. to own it. So they're not oh, joining wow. it, they're owning it. Mm. He also says this beautiful uh, from Gutter to University story uh, that we had there from the interview. So mm. a bunch of text messages coming there through there from uh, from Freco. Okay. 
Uh, we need to get to our Bible study. Thank you for sending your text messages through. Do continue to send them through, uh, particularly in relationship to the Bible study. We would love to hear what your thoughts are and what you're thinking in relationship to this particular subject today. Hebrews chapter 4, super excited to go to this one. Oh, it's a been having a uh, long conversation with one of our uh, Faith FM listeners on this particular subject. So let's dig into it in more detail this morning. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. And, of course, that conversation has been by email. Um, let's start in verse 1. Lawson, go for it. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1, the Bible says, God's promise of entering his rest still stands, so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith with those who listened to God. Okay, let's just let's, let's hold up here for a moment. Let's mm-hmm. be, we need to digest this kind of one verse at a time as we work our way through. Yeah, classic there's, there's, there's Hebrews. A, oh, it is classic Hebrews. And Hebrews, you know, we were talking about types and symbols yesterday. Yes. And how that the Old Testament is full of types and mm. symbols. And a type or a symbol is an example of something. Yeah. It's like God going, okay, uh, you want to understand this better? Then here's your example of it. Mm. And in this particular passage, he's like, okay, you want to understand salvation by grace better? Here's an example of it, the Sabbath. Yeah, wow. And uh, the Sabbath is just such a – we're going to find that it is a perfect example, a perfect type Mm. of salvation by grace. Mm. Okay, let's uh, let's let's work our way through verse one here. Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left of us entering into His rest, any of us should come short of it. So there's a promise that we can enter into God's rest. Mm. Let's fear that we miss out. Yeah, wow. Okay, now he is writing to you know Paul here is writing to the Hebrews. He's writing to Israelites. Mm. He's writing to people who have a religion that is a religion of salvation by works, mm. and so he's introducing this concept of rest. From works. Now, when we talk about rest from works, does that mean that we stop doing good works? Well, no. No. We saw Jesus gives us express examples of that. Absolutely. Yeah. So resting from works has nothing to do with stopping doing good works. Mm. In fact, resting from works is the exact opposite because when we rest from works, we're going to do more good works. Yeah, that's right. And you find a great example of that in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, where the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For you are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Mm -hmm. And you're going to find this in every reference to salvation by grace that there is in the New Testament. It is always balanced out by the fact that a saved person does good things. Mm. You see, before I found Jesus Christ, I was doing a fine job of doing bad things. Yeah, I think we all were. I didn't need to find Jesus to be able to continue doing bad things. That's right. Mm. The whole point of conversion, the word conversion, let's remember what the word conversion means. The word conversion means being changed. Mm. The whole point of conversion, the whole point of being changed is that we are changed from doing bad things to doing good things. Mm -hmm. And that's where people see the contrast in our life. This is where some people get upset because they're like, oh, well, they don't fit in with the crowd anymore uh, because they're, well, actually a moral upstanding citizen in society now who doesn't Mm -hmm. lie, cheat, steal, 
you know, do all the terrible things that, you know, we used to do back in the past before that. Okay, so the the rest that the Bible speaks here when it talks about resting from works is not resting from doing good works. We don't stop doing good works. Mm. We don't sin all the more so that grace may abound because Paul says, God forbid. God forbid, yeah, well. God forbid. That would be the complete opposite. Okay, so what does it mean then when it says, when it uses the Sabbath as a sign of rest from works? Oh, oh, you're asking me. I am I am asking you. Yeah, well, it's. I, I think this is a reference to, to work that is like profitable for oneself in in a monetary sense. Okay, so the Sabbath is a is is definitely a very practical rest mm-hmm. from going out and you know earning a living. That's right. Yes. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. All right, but what about when we find rest in Christ? Oh. What about when we find rest in His grace? What about mm. when we find rest from works in Jesus Christ? Because that's the fulfillment of the example. So yeah, the example wow. is the Sabbath where we rest from going and earning a living. In Christ, we have uh, the fulfillment. Was well, That's the example. The fulfillment is that we rest from works. Does that, well, clearly it does not mean that we stop doing good works. Yeah, obviously. So, so how do we, mm. what, how, is, how is grace a fulfillment of rest from works? Well, I think like when we keep the Sabbath, which is the example, yes. there is this shedding of, of worrying about worldly burdens yes it, it, not like eating and drinking but you know in terms of having to to go to work you know you can put your foot you can turn your phone yes. off you can like yes. you can remove yourself from the the day-to-day minutiae that is very specific to the world and your occupation and all these different things and i feel like that is this little taste of what rest in Christ and the ultimate rest that we look forward to in redemption is that it's like a full shedding off of these burdens that we are inundated with because we live in a sinful world. Okay, let's think about this then from the perspective of an Israelite, a Jewish person who's finding their salvation in their works. Yeah, wow. And then they find salvation in grace. Mm. That's a big contrast, isn't it? Yeah, right. Do they stop doing good works when they find salvation in Christ? No. No. And this is the key that so many people miss. Works has nothing to do with what you do Mm. whatsoever at all. Okay, let me repeat that again in case you missed it. Works has nothing to do with what you do. Works is why you do it. That's right. That's where the difference is. It comes down to why are you doing what you are doing? Mm. You see, if you are doing the works, and, t- and take your typical you know, Hebrew Israelite person that this was written to, they are doing all of these works. They're keeping the law, okay? So they're keeping all of the law so that they can be saved. Mm. So they keep the Ten Commandments so that they can be saved. They find Christ. Do they stop keeping the Ten Commandments? No, they don't stop keeping the Ten Commandments. But now why do they keep the Ten Commandments? Not to be saved, but because they are saved. Mm. Dude, yeah. Become, that's the difference between the two. That's such a good point. Like becoming a follower of Jesus and accepting salvation doesn't slow life down. The Sabbath slows life down. But, you know, you read stories about people like, dude, Martin Luther, like during the, the Reformation, and he, he says he's so busy 
and just like so under the pump and and like having to well firstly like defend his own life uh but secondly he's like you know running and he he's he is the face of one of the biggest most emergent cultural revolutions of his time um and he says he is so busy that he has to like spend three hours four hours a day praying that God would enable him to be able to do the things that he's called him to do. And what this shows me is that it's like, oh, man, him becoming a Christian doesn't mean that, oh, man. Yeah, didn't stop I, him from doing good Yeah, work. now I can kick my feet up and everything. He's doing way he's, more than he He's doing before. way more. But the context is different. Is that, like, he does it not because he's trying to achieve salvation with God, but because he he is saved and he's trying to give that to the people. He That is the very thing that he was fighting against. Yes. He was like, no, the church has gone off track because they are making people work for salvation. Classic example. He climbs Pilate's staircase on his knees, kissing each step and reciting the uh, Hail Mary, whatever thing, the rosary on yeah. each step so that he can earn his salvation mm. and gets halfway up and realizes that actually the just shall live by faith. Yeah. Oops. That's right. Major oops moment. Gets up. Um Runs back down the steps, probably, you know, offends a whole bunch of people who are on their way up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, goes on and proclaims the fact that we are saved by grace yeah. through faith. But that's the question is like, oh, okay, now that Martin Luther understood that, did that make his life any easier? No. <laughs> like, it made it infinitely more difficult, but he was able to do it. Yes, because, because he had rest in Christ. That's right. He had assurance of salvation. Mm. He did not have that before. Mm. But now he has assurance of salvation, and his salvation is in Jesus Christ, not in his actions. And yeah. this is what the Sabbath is all about. And this is why the Sabbath becomes such a a perfect example mm. of salvation in Christ. And that's what we're going to find as we go down through this chapter. Let's keep reading here. Which verse did we get up to? Um, dude, I read like verse 2. Okay, let's read verse 3 and 4. The Bible says in verse 3, For only we who believe can enter this rest. Uh, as for the others, God said, I... In my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. We know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. Okay, so here we've got, you know, and Paul introduces this idea, salvation by grace. Mm. It's been here from the very beginning. It's been here for as long as the world has been here. The Bible says that Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. Yeah, well. And so the plan of salvation has always been there. Salvation by grace has always been there. The uh, new covenant has always been there. Mm. People have only ever been saved under the new covenant. Nobody's ever been saved under the old covenant. That's impossible. Yeah, that's right. It was impossible for the old covenant to save a single solitary person. Yeah, Paul makes that point. Yeah, if there was a law that could That's save right. you. Hebrews would, chapter 8. Yeah, yeah. It's like it was full of poor promises. It was weak. <laughs> it was, you know, temporary. It was, you know, he, mm. he goes down through the list. The, the old covenant is not going to save you. Never has, never will. Mm. Uh, Galatians chapter 3 and verse you know, 11, I think it is, where he says, you know, no man shall be saved by the works of the law. This is obvious. Yeah. And then quotes Habakkuk chapter, I think it is 2 verse 4 or 6 or something or other, where it says the just, just shall live, live by, by faith, faith. Yeah. which is the one that uh, Martin Luther remembered while he was climbing those stairs on that mm. particular day right there. And so we find here that 
Paul brings out the point the Sabbath has been here from the beginning, illustrating mm. the fact that salvation by grace has been wow. here from the beginning. The plan of salvation existed before sin. Mm. When sin came, God wasn't caught off guard and had to come up with something new. Yeah, that's How right. do we know that? Because the Sabbath already existed. Wow. Before sin. Mm. Yeah, fantastic stuff. All right, let's uh, continue on in verse 5 and 6. The Bible says in verse 5, But in the other passage, God said, They will never enter into my rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. Okay, and my translation says because of unbelief, which I think is Mm. probably a more accurate translation. Mm. Uh, both of the, I, I will go with either translation yeah. there, but the KJV goes with because of unbelief. Yeah. Di- well, disobeying God is the symptom. Yes. Unbelief is the cause. And what you're going to find here is, you know, and this is what you're going to find right through the book of Hebrews is this contrast between the old covenant and the new covenant. Mm. And Paul saying, look, nobody under the old covenant ever entered into any rest. Yeah, they were well. always working for their salvation. So they were never resting and they were never achieving salvation. Because under the Old Covenant, nobody can be saved. Nobody ever was saved under the Old Covenant. Mm. Only people only people who found the New Covenant and experienced rest in God were people who, saved, who were saved. Mm. And he goes on to highlight the fact that the Sabbath is an example of this. Uh, read for us verse 7 and 8, please. In verse 7, the Bible says, So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted, Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would have not spoken about another day of rest still to come. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. So which is the day of rest that is spoken of here? Today. Today. Yeah. Today you can experience the rest of grace. Okay, the Sabbath rest is one that comes once a week. Mm Mm-hmm. The experience of salvation by grace is one that comes today. Mm. And this is what Paul is urging on the believers at this particular time. And you'll find this urging in many places in the Bible. Don't wait till tomorrow. Yeah. Give your life to Jesus today. Experience that rest today. Mm. Today is the day of salvation. And, you know, the weekly Sabbath rest comes around as a weekly reminder of salvation by grace. But today is the day to receive that salvation by grace. And this is something that we need, we need to receive every day. Mm. You know, Paul says, I die, I die daily. I die to self every day. I wake up, I start my day, in essence is what he's saying, and I surrender myself to Jesus Christ. You know, mm. this is not a one-off event where you look back at some, you know, past historical uh, thing that took place in the distant past where, you know, you made a decision for Jesus Christ. No, we need to recommit our lives to Christ Every single day. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so let's go back to Hebrews chapter 4 and let's look at what the Bible says here in verse 8. Verse 8 is a key verse. The Bible says, For if Jesus had given them rest, then he would not have afterward spoken of another day. Wait, yours says Jesus? Mine says Jesus. Mine says Joshua. I know that. Why? Because they are both the same word, Yeshua. Okay. But is it talking about In Jesus? In the Bible, it's talking about Jesus. Uh-huh. Yours is just subversive. But it says, like, because it, it talks about David, it talks about, like, a bunch of different 
people who are famous in the Bible, then it says Joshua. And this is the challenge, okay? Mm-hmm. Joshua's not necessarily incorrect. Yeah. Moses would fit there better. Yeah, that's right. But it's not necessarily incorrect. Yeah. It's just... But it's making a point. It's someone your someone who represented God could have given them another day to supplement whatever, but they didn't. Okay, here's the key thing. Um, the Bible says that there is another day. And the question is, what is that other day? Mm-hmm. And you've got two options right now that you can go with as to what that other day is. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got more than two options, but there's two major options. Well, there's two, no, there's only two ways of finding out what the other day is. Mm -hmm. You can make something up, or you can read what the Bible says that the other day is. Yeah. Now, the reason I bring this up is because um, recently I've had maybe two or three people who have proposed the idea that the other day is Jesus. Mm. So the seventh day Sabbath is the first day, Jesus is the next one. And that because we have Jesus, we don't have the seventh day Sabbath. Okay. So Jesus is a day. The problem with that is it's nowhere in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say that. Yeah. There's, there's nothing in Scripture to say that. Mm-hmm. The second problem, that's the first problem. The second problem is that the preceding verse tells you exactly what the other day is. Mm. The other day is today. Mm. And today is going to be whichever day it is that you're reading this passage on. That's right. And it's going to be whichever day it is that you are called to make a decision for Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. Let me read it to you, just in case you missed it, because I know that uh, many of you are in your cars at this particular time, um, doing other things, maybe in the workshop. Uh, Verse 7 says, Again, he limits a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Hmm. So today, if you will hear his voice, today is the day that you hear the voice of God. Yeah. That's the day of salvation. Mm. Okay, so you've got the Sabbath then is a symbol of the day of salvation. The Sabbath is a symbol of the time that we find rest from salvation by works in salvation by grace. Mm. Because if you're trying to achieve salvation by works, you're never going to have rest because from the moment that you wake up in the morning until the moment that you go down and go to sleep at night, you are constantly trying to do this, 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 to get saved. Mm. But when you have salvation by grace, it doesn't mean that you stop doing it, doing things. Yeah. It means that I'm doing this because I love God. Yeah. In fact, you're enabled to do more. You could, absolutely, because now it's, it's impossible to keep the law of God without the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Until you have received the power of the Holy Spirit, you can't be converted, you can't be changed, you can't mm. become a different person. You can only ever keep the law of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, well. And so then let's look at this in the context of the Sabbath, because this is where the Sabbath becomes such a great example of salvation by grace. Mm. Okay. Salvation is by grace alone. We cannot do anything in and of ourselves to achieve that. And when we worship God the way that we want to worship God, when we worship God under the dictates of what we think God wants to do, that's salvation by works. Mm. So a great example of this is uh, Ishmael and Isaac. Yeah. Okay? Abraham is worshipping God. 
with Ishmael, he worships God by obeying God in his way. God says, you're going to be the father of you know, many nations. He's like, well, I've got to have a descendant, so therefore I've got to have an affair with uh, this Egyptian girl. Yeah. So what he does is he actually breaks the law of God to keep the command of God. That doesn't work. Yeah, that's that's a really terrible, just, uh, terrible yeah. idea. Mm-hmm. What he does is what he does is is he comes to God and says, "Okay, my method for doing this is good enough for you." Yeah, that's right. Right, and that's salvation by works. He's mm-hmm. trying to do it by his own works. When Isaac comes along, what happens there? He just lives his life by faith, mm. and when he lives his life by faith, Isaac is the result of that. So, Ishmael is the result of. Abraham serving God by doing it his way. Mm. Isaac is the result of Abraham serving God by doing it God's way. Yeah, wow. So we can do it God's way or our own way. Mm. One is works, one is grace. Man, let's, let's hold that thought. Hold that thought. I know. You, I know you're on the edge. Hold that thought. Let's now yeah. apply that to the Sabbath. Mm. The Sabbath is kind of arbitrary, isn't it? Yeah. You know what difference does a day make? Why is one day any different from another day? Yeah, that's right. You know, the sun comes up, the sun goes down. What makes the difference is this. Only one thing. God said so. Mm. And are we prepared to worship God by faith? Or do we have to do it our own way? Mm. A person who worships God by faith says, I might not understand it. In fact, I probably don't understand it. Why, why did you make this day any different from any other day? I don't see what difference it makes. But I'm serving you by faith. Mm. And I'm going to exercise my faith by doing so. And this is how the Sabbath becomes a symbol of salvation by grace because salvation by grace is when we sit back and say, God, I don't understand how you do this. I'm accepting it. Mm. The Sabbath says, I don't understand what difference it makes, but I'm accepting it. Why do we do that? Because we love God. Mm. I used this example the other day, and I'm going to use it again. You know, Alexander the Great was a psychopath. He's probably way worse than Adolf Hitler. And um, to prove a point one time, he ordered a platoon of soldiers to march off a cliff, and they believed that he was a divine being, and so they did, and they all died. Mm. They didn't question because they were true believers. Mm. And if we are a true believer in Jesus Christ, we don't question. Mm. When we question Jesus about what he asks us to do, what does that illustrate? It illustrates that we're under works. Yeah. We're not under grace. Mm. That's salvation by works. When we come to God and say, look, I know what the Bible says here. I know that you said, you know, keep the Sabbath right through, you know, Matthew chapter 20, 24 and verse 20 right there. Keep the Sabbath after the, res- after the resurrection, after the crucifixion, keep the Sabbath right to the end of time. I know you've specifically commanded that, but I kind of don't get it, so I'll do it in my way. I'll, I'll say that you're the Sabbath, or I'll keep Sunday, whatever it might be, mm. and we make up our own stuff. That is salvation by works. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're done. That means it is time for... Question of the day. All right, Lyle, our question of the day today is, how did Paul get his name? 
Okay, and this is a little bit confusing for people because Paul is also known as Saul in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so you read through the book of Acts and up until chapter 13, you're going to find that it talks about Saul and then it talks about Saul and Saul and Saul and Saul and Saul and then it suddenly starts talking about Paul and it's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, what happened there? So there's a couple of different things that come into this, something which I only just recently learnt too. But anyway, that's okay, I'll share them with you. First of all, where did Saul get his name from? No doubt because, well, what we, you know, we understand from tradition is that he was a descendant of King Saul. And so when you have a famous ancestor, we know he was from the same tribe, obviously, but when you've got a famous ancestor like that, it's common for those names to be passed down. For instance, you know, you look at Zechariah when he's about to, you know, uh, have a son named John and the, and the angel says, call him John. And Zechariah's like, I can't call him John. There's no one in my family by that name because they had a tradition. Their culture was that you called your children after your family name. Mm. And so the strong evidence here is that Saul was a descendant of King Saul. And so having a famous ancestor, he carries that name with him. Now, Saul is a Hebrew name, but the Greek version of that name is Paul. In other words, the Greek pronunciation of that name. And this is what you're going to find is you're going to find lots of different names that have different pronunciations in different languages. For instance, if we look at uh, producer Shell's name, Michelle, uh, if you were to pronounce that in, uh, let's say, Albanian, it would be misel. And Albanian people will probably correct me on this one. Uh, if you <laughs> were to pronounce in Danish, it would be Mikaline. Yeah. If you were to pronounce in Finnish, it would be Michaela. And so, and if you if you write it with one L, it's French. You write it with two L's, it's English. Yeah. So there's all of these different uh, variations that you get with a person's name, and this is what it was with Paul. Uh, Saul is the Hebrew version, and Paul is the uh, Greek version. Now, that's interesting because if we go to the book of Acts and we go to Acts chapter 9 and verse 15, when Paul is converted, when Saul is converted, the Bible says that Jesus spoke to him and says, Go your way. For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. And so what we're going to find here is that Saul, or Paul, was specifically called to be a missionary to the Gentiles. Mm. And because he's specifically called to be a missionary to the Gentiles, then he's going to be primarily ministering in the Greek language because that's the lingua franca. That's the English of the ancient world. That's the language that everybody speaks. So if you go out and you preach everything in Greek, everyone will be able to understand you everywhere you go. So he's going to go out and preach in Greek. So it kind of makes sense that he's going to use the Greek version of his name in doing so. Uh, we see that a lot of the time. You know, when people move to another country, they will use the Greek version of their name in that particular country. Okay, so uh, when does he actually make this change? And this is interesting right here because you're going to find in uh, in Acts chapter 13, the Bible says that he was on the island of Paphos and he found a sorcerer there, but, you know, it continues on, uh, which was with the deputy of the country whose name was Sergius Paulus. Mm-hmm. A prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elymas the sorcerer, for so his, his name by interpretation, withstood them seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So notice here that Paul, at, up until this point, is called Saul. 
Then the Bible says, Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on the sorcerer and struck him with blindness. You know, cutting a long story short. Uh, and the Bible, cutting long story short again, verse 12, Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. And so you've got this first, Paul is called to be a missionary to the Gentiles. His first convert amongst the Gentiles here of significance is a man by the name of Paulus, and so he takes the Gentile name of Paulus to minister to Gentiles. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.